Welcome back to the cinema, folks. I sure hope you didn't lose your minds over that new humdinger of a film. But most importantly, welcome to Double A CinemaCast, the most in-depth bi-weekly movie podcast hosted by two best friends, Mr. Anthony Dalpiez and Mr. Adam Schwartz. Every other week, a new film, from Alien to Rear Window, and from The Muppets to Jurassic Park. Give it a listen, give it a like, and be sure to tell all your friends about Double A CinemaCast. Welcome to Double A CinemaCast, your weekly film fix. This week, Anthony and I are joined once again by a guest that we talked about Minority Report with, Mr. Scott Peterson. I'm back. <laughs> and I just I want to say I'm, thank you for bringing me back. I absolutely loved talking about Minority Report, and I look forward to diving even deeper to some other movies today. And I love that you used diving because this is an aquatic film. This is a water-based movie because we're talking about the first Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I totally, I was thinking I should use some water puns. <laughs> yeah, it works. Um, there's at least a few cups of water in this film I've seen, measurement-wise. Or at That's least the only reason I watched it. I heard that there was actually water. Ba- I I only watch water-based movies. Water, water World, Titanic. Titanic, yeah. <laughs> only water movies. Only water-based movies. Yeah. And Minority Report. And Minority Report. That has water in it. They're in they're in a pool. So it's they're in a pool. <laughs> so kicking off this uh, review, um, let's go around and because this movie's been out for a while. This movie came out in two thousand three. Um, so what was everyone's first experience, if you can remember, of this, of seeing this movie? Ooh, well, this movie made a real splash for my family. I remember (laughs) (laughs) that, I remember my mom always had this thing with movies where, like, if something seemed, like, too scary or adult, like, this one would have been in that realm. Mm -hmm. She would not let us see it or take us to it unless if someone if one of her friends was like oh me and my kids saw this movie then she'd be like oh we should do that too so this was one of those cases and we loved it from from uh our first viewing Mm -hmm. and this became a staple we always our family always seemed to watch it on christmas for some reason (laughs) what a a good christmas film (laughs) i know it's it's weird Um, we don't do that anymore but this, yeah, this is just a classic. I've seen it dozens of times. So it was it was really great watching this again. I picked up on a lot of things that I didn't quite get the first few goes around, go arounds. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that we watched it for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott, what was your first encounter with this uh, film? It's funny that you said the, the whole bit about it being too scary. Because that was, like, a concern for my mom at the time as well. Was that, like, oh, the trailer looks scary, Scott. Are you going to be okay? Um, but, no, I, I ended up loving this as well. But I did remember walking in. It's like, oh, no, my mom said it might be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's interesting is that very few movies growing up that I see that, like, man, I remember going to school the following week. Like, this, if I saw it, like, on a Friday, like, the next Monday. And, like, everybody saw it i don't know about you guys but like i remember coming to school and like everybody was talking about it um and which is kind of rare uh that it was like one that was like so universally like seen and loved and talked about um Mm -hmm. 
And I recently, like, I recently rewatched it. And if you haven't watched this as well, because I watched the prop culture episode about it on Disney Plus. And if yep. you haven't watched that, it really sheds a lot of light on like a lot of interesting aspects of the film that I guess I just never really thought of. Um, and so like it's a nice companion piece when you like watching that and watching the movie so i i am glad to talk about it again because it's really fresh in my mind yeah um going off of what you both said uh my mom also was worried this was gonna be too scary it's kind of spooky it is a little spooky it's, you know, it's, it's a spooky flick Rewatching it though i it's a lot less scary than i remembered it being i'll put yeah, it it's definitely a lot more like like goofy goofy yeah. yeah um and while watching this you mentioned the disney plus series prop culture which i've also seen the episode on this film um, but there's a different there's another series on uh, disney plus for those of you who have it um called the imagineering story where it's the whole story of disneyland and disney world and i watched all of those and there was actually a quote from that documentary series that stuck out with me for this film this still being a Disney movie and a movie based off of a ride, um, which is like, it's so weird to think that, like this excellent, very well-written Oscar nominated film is based off of a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> and like um, the quote that stuck out to me is the guy who designs, uh, or designs Splash Mountain and a few other like more thrill rides. He's like the Disney ride philosophy when Imagineering is you know, it should be for everyone. It should have an element of thrill. It should push you close to the quote feeling of like, I might die. And then we pull you <laughs> right back. Like we pull you right back from the edge of like, oh, it's dangerous and it's not. And that's kind of how I feel like this same philosophy went into this movie where like, it's a swashbuckling fun action film that everyone can enjoy. And there are moments that might scare younger kids if you're like four or five, like the skeleton crew you know, working on the ship, um, that when that full reveal happens, like that can be intense, but in the same way that a roller coaster is intense, but everyone can enjoy it. Mm. Apparently it scared moms everywhere. Okay. Uh, mo moms all across America were concerned. <laughs> like, because I think it's, it's weird that it's a Disney movie, but it has some like, again, if you're a really young kid, some kind of scary imagery, but then again, a lot of Disney movies. I was just about to say, there's a terrifying imagery in it. Especially when you start looking at like of the older ones, um, there's a lot of images. I used to always be freaked out by the bit in Pinocchio where the the boy turns into a donkey. Yes, yeah. And I was always get freaked out by that. I was like, oh, it's really weird. And to this day, it's still weird to me. But like, there's a lot of Disney does have its tendency to be like a little pushing with its audience. Be like, all right, mm -hmm. this is a little creepy here. Yeah. And like, well, this movie is PG thirteen. It is yeah. PG thirteen. Was true. this the first Disney movie to be PG thirteen? I can't imagine. There must have been another one before it. Maybe there's not, also, though. there's another like, um, there's another d d studio that Disney releases movies under. It's another banner. Push the envelope more. Uh, Touchstone. Touchstone yeah. did uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's like the biggest oh, one. Oh, okay. Because Disney thought that would be too scary. And so they released under Touchstone. And then kids everywhere loved it. And they're like, actually, that was our. <laughs> it's not Touchstone, it's Disney. <laughs> um, uh, um, I think the... Or go ahead. I was going to say, Pirates of the Caribbean was the first PG-13 film 
released under Walt Disney Pictures. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I I think that like segues into like a point that I always think about with the Pirates movies is that this was a time when Disney didn't own Star Wars and Marvel at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So they weren't making live action movies and so they really had to fill that market because like they had an- Pixar movies and they mm-hmm. had their own animated stuff. And then they had like their, there was like a whole line of like sports films and real life stories. Like remember the Titans and Miracle and a bunch of really good sports movies, but they didn't have that market of like, this is your action summer blockbuster movie. Right. Right. Um, and even bef- there was like a whole stretch of time and a whole slew of movies that were like, uh, we have franchises if you guys want it. Um, mm-hmm. Movies that were like John Carter, which is like a stink pile. Um, Lone Ranger, also terrible movie. Haunted mm-hmm. Mansion, also pretty bad. A- another ride-based oh, movie. Which also... Yeah, another ride-based movie. And and like Tomorrowland, another, stink, another stink pile. Um, and like, even if I hate to say this because I love it, Mm-hmm. I would even throw Tron into that mix of like, we need mm-hmm. another live action action movie. And I love Tron with all of my heart, but it kind of mm-hmm. falls into this like unsuccessful attempt of them trying to like branch out. But yeah. Pirates manages to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Pirates manages to like strike that chord that's like, this is interesting and people want it and it's mm-hmm. different. Um, it, so, it's yeah, I don't know. Like, that's something I always like thinking about of like, the history of why Disney makes what they do um, because it's been around for so long. You could look at it. It's interesting to me. And you think this was 2003. So Sam Raimi's Spider-Man had just come out. Love it. Absolutely. A year prior. Um, like <clears throat> there were superhero movies, but there wasn't that like, no, no MCU, no DC expanded universe, nothing like that. Would I mean, have today. That was when, that's when Marvel sold the rights to everything. So Disney didn't own the rights to any of that. Yeah. And so like, it's, it's Disney's attempt at making an IP. And when they only really have like, cause prior to this, like there was movies like Home on the Range, um, which was okay. Yeah. Or like Chicken Little. Anyone remember Chicken Little? Yeah. That was also not a good movie. But anyone remember Treasure Planet? Oh, I love Treasure I Planet. love Treasure Planet. There we Planet. go. It's the I winner that Treasure everyone talks Planet. about. Treasure Planet and Atlantis were like the two, my two favorite Disney movies when I was a lot younger. Like that was their attempt at like action, but it was still there was animated action. You said, so this, was two, you said this was in 2003? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there was quite a few movies that like this that came out that, that year then like re- Lord of the Rings Return of the King it says was that year. Or yeah, Return yeah. of the King was that year along with like a slew of like the original Hulk, Daredevil, X-Men, or X-Men 2, X-Men United. Oh, wow. um, so there's like a whole slew of movies that came out in two, like that year then. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, this was definitely like a shift towards like, how do I put it, like not high art, but like action movies and adventure movies being taken seriously. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Because didn't Return of the King win Best Picture at the Oscars? It did win Best Picture. And I think I think what I've always attributed with Pirates, and even Lord of the Rings does this as well, is that though Pirates, the storyline is a little silly at times, because mm-hmm. it's like a more of like a mythological tale, right? 
but it's the, the the production of it is taken so seriously. The ships look real, the props mm-hmm. look real, the costumes look real. Like everything has that attention to detail mm-hmm. that I think really sells it um, more so than what other films. And and it's 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 interesting because I watched a video after I watched the movie talking about like the history of the film and I what I think is interesting is that I can't really name another pirate movie that was like this is the pirate movie like you like pirates you're watching this movie um besides for this one um which is strange uh, you would think there would have been a lot of, you would think there would be a lot more considering how popular this thing was that other studios would be like all right where's our pirate movie um there were a few like pirate tv shows i remember that came out right after like there was a whole series thing on fx just called pirates or like buccaneers really? or something like that and it was like it was basically like The Sopranos, but with pirates. <laughs> um, it did not last like more than two seasons. Um, but yeah, like this was kind of Disney's lightning in a bottle. Like, yeah. I feel like this movie has kind of almost seeped into pop culture. Like you can reference this in everyday conversation and people know what you're talking about. Oh, like, even, if, even if they've never seen Pirates of the Caribbean, you're like, oh, you know, you're walking around like Jack Sparrow. People like, oh, got it cool or like you know it really kind of made johnny depp like no i mean it didn't make him because he had other movies before this mm-hmm. like edward scissorhands and other things like that but mm-hmm. this is clearly his biggest role and i think he got a lot of roles after this because of it yeah um yeah and you mentioned the the sets mm-hmm. and all of that uh, now anthony have you seen the prop culture episode on disney plus i haven't Gotcha. Um, so something that, that were fascinating to me is I thought they shot like a lot of this on like a green screen or like, oh, this was on location in like California or whatever. They shot in the Caribbean, in the Bahamas. I think they shot on like on Jamaica or some smaller island. Um, and like the sets are still there today. Um, yeah, that was really interesting when they went to some of the bits or some of the places they go to in the first one. And they're still like, markers there are some in some cases some of the they've kept it there some of mm-hmm. the props and stuff they like make sure it's still there um what shocked me was that it was they used real ships yeah. uh, and a lot of them were like seaworthy um some of them like especially when you get to like the sequels where they have like the crazy ships or, like the undead ones those ones weren't seaworthy they had a set that they could use mm-hmm. but they you couldn't take it out like you could the ones in the first one which i thought was insanely interesting yeah, like the amount of practical effects in this film, especially with the ships and the ship battles, was amazing. Um, having to actually shoot some shots in the ocean, just off the island, um, or the islands was, was fascinating. Um, and I think what's what's great about this movie is, and I, we, we talked about this before we started recording, um, but I had mentioned that this was kind of like the original Star Wars where the storyline to this film is straightforward. There are sequels that you can, you know, it wasn't even like a video game where it's like, here's the DLC for two and three. You don't need it. If you just want, you know, what is Pirates of the Caribbean? Here you go. Um, or what is Star Wars? Here's a new hope. If you don't want to watch anything else, you're not, you'll be missing out, but like you still get a complete story. Nothing, there's no loose ends per se. Um, that's what I think is, well, it makes me curious if they had ideas for sequels in the first place. 
because the first one kind of ends, right? Kind of. I mean, mm-hmm. um, like that. The other ones are really dependent on each other. Um, yeah. And I would. That's why I was always curious. Like, did they think this was going to be a big enough hit to give them four sequels, or how many of them there are now? Yeah. Um, which is yeah. You watch the first one. You can watch it as a standalone movie, standalone story. Mm-hmm. Which is which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, because I know they shot two and three, and we're, we're going to get to those uh, in the next episodes, um, uh, but I know they shot two and three at the same time. So those films were basically made, they shot all of two and then shot all of three, and basically did like twice the production time to get these two movies made, so they can edit them in time and release them a year after each other, or two years after each other, or something like that. Um, but yeah, this one, because... When did the sequel come out? I wonder. 2006. Yeah, so three years later, they're like, oh, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's write a sequel here. Um, well, it takes, it takes a lot of time to make a movie, so it wasn't really... Well, yeah. <laughs> but it also is Disney, and they Disney tends to churn these things out like, like candy. I, and yeah. I think they filmed two and three back-to-back, so I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure... I'm sure that during production they were thinking, hmm, this might, we might be able to go places with this. Yeah. Like, because I wonder if, hmm, when did Haunted Mansion come out? I'm it thinking came of like, out, it, it, it came out between the first one and the second one. Okay. Because, um, like, I know that the first, like, Disney quote ride movie was, like, The Country Bears. Everyone remember The Country Bears? <laughs> Just like to point out that our, 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 like, my old roommate, like, you guys know Norb, so, like, yeah. our, my old roommate had a weird fascination with Country Bears, <laughs> as in he still really liked the soundtrack, and it was such a dumb movie to have, like, a fascination with, like, just, he always, when he's like, he's like, I don't care what you say about Country Bears, like, it's got a rocking soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, like, like, Disney was this whole thing of, like, well, let's, because for many, what's really weird about and for those of you now, have either of you been to Disney World or Disneyland before? I have not, but I've, I've been dying to. <laughs> Anthony, I've been to Disney you... World a long time ago, like when I was gotcha. seven. Gotcha. Um, now I feel like the jerk who's been there a lot. Um, oh, like... look at me. I've been to Disney World every other day. <laughs> <laughs> they, they named one of the rides after me. <laughs> Yeah, the Adam Schwartz experience. It's kind of like Hall of Presidents, except they're all Adam Schwartz. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> um, but I was, I was actually there in January, and what's weird about all the rides at Disney World is other than for, like, maybe four or five, they're not based on, like, any movies. Like, everything is wholly original to the theme park. And it's only Disney in that, like, you can meet characters from different movies or, like, Mickey, Donald, Goofy, all those guys. And it was only this year that they opened up the first Mickey Mouse-themed ride. Really? There's never been a single Mickey Mouse-themed ride until 2020. And Disneyland has been around since 1957. Wow. And well, so there's been a like, lot of movies that have attempted to, like, do the Pirates shtick, like, Oh, let's just turn another ride. Like there, so there was Country Bears, mm-hmm. and then there was Haunted Mansion yep. and Tomorrowland. I don't know if yep. you guys saw Tomorrowland. 
Never Saw Tomorrowland. Miserable like, movie. It looked like a Meet the Robinsons like action spinoff. It it's look it's really really bad. And and it, the most frustrating thing is that Brad Bird, the guy who directed it, he directed all these other great movies, great movies for Pixar, and mm-hmm. and just great movies in general. And so like I remember going to see that movie. I heard bad reviews, and I was like. I don't care. It's sci-fi. It's Brad Bird. It's Disney. It can't be that bad. And yeah. I walked out and I was like, "Wow." Yeah, this and is like a terrible movie. Uh, I I wonder, like, because it was so long between this first movie and the sequels, I wonder if they're like, "Well, here's another movie we're basing off of a ride," because the only IPs we really have are that which we I've already made movies of, or we're like we have the rides at disney world so like and a lot of them like there's not many that have like a story to them (laughs) like the original parts of the caribbean is basically there's like a bit of a drop it's like maybe a three foot drop in a boat like a mini log flume and then it's just like you're sailing through this town being attacked by pirates so like when the pirates attack in the first half of this film um like, that's the closest you get to what the ride is. And there's little scenes here and there that are homages to the ride. Um, like, there's a part where Jack and Will are rowing in the cave, and they see, like, the crab holding, like, the pearl necklace, something like that, and, like, all the jewels are around it. Like, that's in the ride. Um, the parrot saying, dead man tell no tale. Like, that is a parrot in the ride that says that. And, like, other little things where it's like, oh, Remember that from the ride? That little <laughs> reference there for you. But like, this is the most like, it's like the ride only in name. Cause like, there's no Barbosa, there's no cursed treasure. This plot is completely made up. And like, Haunted Mansion is closer to the ride than this movie is to the ride. And Haunted Mansion's a bad movie. <laughs> That's good. Uh to stretch from the original source material a little bit. That's what we should Yeah. Cool. And it's just so weird to think like, yeah, this whole, all these five movies were based off of one ride in Orlando and, and like Los Angeles. Like weird. It's it, it on paper. It shouldn't work. I right. feel like being pitched the idea, it would be like, this is going to be the flop to end all flops, which is why I think it's so refreshing that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always thought that it's like, oh, you're gonna make it on a ride? What? <laughs> okay. Right. And like, it's not even that particularly of a thrilling ride. Like, it's more. Again, you go down like the hill at the start, and then you're in this scene of this town being attacked, and then the ride ends, and that's it. And like, it's a it's a fine ride. Like, it's cool with all the animatronics and stuff, but it's not like, man, what a thrilling tale of heroes and villains. It's like, as pirates, and there's not pirates, and the pirates <laughs> attack the not pirates. The end. And yeah, it's just so strange that they're like, this was, oh. a, this was the successful one. So like, let me ask you this then, like, since we've decided like, this is like the one that worked, right? This like Disney, why, why, did, why do you guys think this one worked? Like, what was it? What was it about it? Like, what mm. did it for you? Oh wow! Um, For me, I'd say I can't speak to the ride because I don't think I've ever. I haven't been on it either, so I'm just curious. Like, what? what, I guess rephrasing my question of like, 
what makes this movie so popular? What? Why is this such? Like, why has this stayed in in people's minds after all these years? That's a better question, I guess. I think the world is so interesting. Where it's kind of set in what, like the eighteen hundreds, like our real world history, using this myth like Cortez's gold and mm-hmm. East India Trading Company, but also like throwing in a character like Johnny Depp, who's so colorful, so interesting, so entertaining. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's, I think, I wonder how much of it though was based off of like subverting expectations um, of like people going in being like, let me see what they, what story they made out of the ride. And then they get there and they're like, oh dang, this is a good movie. Cause like it's well-written. It has really good plot twists. And you have, like, this anti-hero story where typically it's, you know, oh, here's the swashbuckling hero who'll save the damsel from the pirates or whatever. And you also have, like, a female lead in these kind of classic, or rooted in these kind of classic action films from the 50s and 60s, where she's very self-sufficient. She has her own motivations, her own drives. It's not just, oh, help me. You know, um, and so there's that. And just seeing the dichotomy of like, you know, Jack Sparrow, who his introduction is probably one of the best intros in a movie for a character, because with no dialogue, you understand how this guy works. Like he he sees himself bigger than he is because we see him standing on the mast and it's like the sunset in the background and then he sees he's sinking, runs down. It's now day all of a sudden. He's bailing out the water. But then he sees the dead pirates and is like, ooh, you know, hats off over the heart, you know, reverence, whether fake or not. But then he still comes in looking impressive to the dock as his ship slowly falls into the water. And like, yeah, he's perfect. got, a, he's got swaggered to him. Scene. Yeah, and like, of all the clips from the trailer, I feel like him coming in on his, on like the sail of his ship as it's sinking, like that stuck in, I think everyone's mind after seeing that trailer of like, what is this movie? Who is this guy? What is Johnny Depp doing? Looking like some kind of rock star from the seventies, unconfused. Like, so you have his character and then you have the juxtaposition with, cause are almost like two villains in this movie. There's like, the romantic villain with Norrington where he's, you know, law and order. And like, if this was like a D and D alignment chart, he's like lawful evil. It's like, you know, <laughs> he's doing what he needs to do because he needs to. And then you have chaotic evil over here with Barbosa, who's just like, we want gold. And then I feel like Jack is like true neutral. He's just here for himself. Like, and those three like form this perfect triangle of like, I'm here for myself but I'm also like, I'm a good person with Jack. You have this selfish tyrant of a captain with Barbosa, who adds a good foil to Jack. And then Norrington is like almost a third party where it's like, there's the world of the pirates and we get allusions to the pirate code in like what uh, Kira Knightley says as, as Elizabeth, you know, you have to know the pirate code, you have to follow the pirate code. Um, and then we have just like reality, as you mentioned, Anthony, like, here's the Royal Navy, here's the East India Company, like, okay, 
this, yep, that really happened. Like all like Port Royal was a real city, you know, it's still there today. Like Tortuga was a real city, but like it adds just that perfect level of like fantasy adventure without being like over the top or like full fantasy like Lord of the Rings. So I feel like it's just subverting expectations is why it was so good. And and like I'm glad you brought up because the one one of my points that I wanted to talk about was that you, like you were talking about like a a good mix of action fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought I'm I will, I'll go out and say that, like I'm not a huge fantasy fan, right? Mm-hmm. I I love sci-fi, but I've never been a big fantasy fan. So like though I've always liked things like Lord of the Rings and I've always enjoyed the Harry Potter movies. Um, part of me has kind of found it refreshing to see a, a fantasy movie that doesn't take itself so seriously. Like, it is always, like, it's I, I can just go in and enjoy it, right? Um, but one thing that I think Pirates does over, a, even in the ones that I don't like, they're like, there's a lot of Pirates movies I don't like, but what they all do is they're always so visually striking, and I'm not, that's not even just from the sets and how good the, they're, I'm talking like the character designs, um, the way Will looks and the way Jack looks, their costumes are very striking. But more specifically, I always look at the villains and I'm all like in, in these movies and especially in two and three, like the, the, like the pirates who become one with the sea and they're like mm-hmm. these crazy fish characters each mm-hmm. one of them is so different and in this one too like the skeleton pirates are so different that mm-hmm. like anytime any of them were on screen i like couldn't look away from it i just wanted to like look at what they were doing with it mm-hmm. um and i've always found that to be like a reason that i kept watching it because i always found it's like wow this looks really interesting and yeah. i always thought that the pirates movies have that kind of edge over mm-hmm. some other fantasy things not saying that like oh Lord of the Rings doesn't it doesn't do that because it does, mm-hmm. but I just always found like their design, the villains' designs in this to be very clever, and yeah, and, and 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 in a, in a very Disney way. Um, yeah, it, it, and like there are even moments in this film where they're almost self-aware of how over the top they look. When Jack's talking to Barbosa near the end of like, tell you what, go get like the Dauntless, go get the bigger boat. You can start your own fleet. You be the captain of the fleet. Make me the captain of the Pearl. And I'll buy you a bigger hat. Like, <laughs> like even like that, Barbosa is enough to be like, mm, all right, cool. Sure. <laughs> I'll take a bigger hat. No, but like, I, I always have felt that like, you know, this movie does like give its credit to, to Johnny Depp and Jack Sparrow. Mm. But I've always felt that Barbosa as a villain is so underrated. Because mm. I've always loved him as a villain. And when we talk about great movie villains, you don't really hear Barbosa come up. But I always mm. thought he was so interesting and so fun as a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, as, and across all, all of his movies, I've always enjoyed having him come back, too. Yeah. And, like, it's so weird because the actor who plays him, Jeffrey Rush, is this, like, classically trained British, like, Shakespearean actor. He was in The King's Speech. And like a bunch of other like very British films where he's you know typically there's this very uptight, very posh character, and here he's like sassy, he's mean, he's cruel <laughs> at times. Like like when they first try to lift the curse, um, I was like, we don't feel different. 
he just shoots one guy and with no remorse. Like, even if the curse was lifted, he's just like, oh, I just shot a guy. I just shot one of my crew. <laughs> and, like, no one talks about it afterward. He's like, he shot me. Nothing <laughs> from Barbosa. Just like, and? And, like, you can see the drive that he has to lift this curse. Like, the one scene I think that was really, or that one moment that kind of hit that nail for me is, like, after Jack is eating the apple for a bit, when they he escapes back to the um, interceptor, mm-hmm. um, Barbosa's holding the apple, debates biting into it, and then just angrily chucks it <laughs> off the side of the ship. And I'm just like, oof. Like, that just, like, the anger there, and, like, and I guess when I was younger, I never was, like, oh, that's not too bad. You're still alive. So what if you're hungry or whatever? It's not a big deal. But now I'm like, wow, this curse is messed up. Oh, I feel like you get that from when Barbosa explains it to Elizabeth Swan. He's He gives that whole speech about how, like, they have this hunger that can't be uh, satisfied, a thirst that can't be quenched, this like, mm-hmm. constant lust that can't be satisfied, and all they have is greed. And then there's the like choreographed. This would maybe be the only one from that, that I could see as part of the ride, where it's like she comes out, and the pirates are all like scrubbing the deck to that sound, yeah. and and she falls and gets thrown up by them cleaning the sail or whatever. Yeah, and like. What was funny is thinking back to the ride, there's only one pirate skeleton in the whole ride, and he's like, you see him for like two seconds and that's gone. It's weird. Anyway, um, look up a point of view like ride through video on YouTube afterwards, and you'll maybe you'll catch some of the references to the movie. Fun fact the chest that was in this movie is now in Disneyland in the ride with the actual prop coins we see in this film. So that's fun. That's a little, little uh, fun tidbit there. Um, but yeah, like, that, that like monologue he gives of like, you know, we, we heard that it was cursed. We didn't believe in it. So we spent the gold and we spent the gold. And then we couldn't, like, drink didn't satisfy anymore. And hunger didn't, you know, it's like, it's so well-written. Like, props to the screenwriters there because that is just solid like villain monologue that's not over the top villain monologue either yeah there's so many iconic lines in this like and the perfect cap to that where he steps out he's all skeleton Mm. and he goes like like taking a full circle back to her first statement about not believing in ghost stories anymore Mm -hmm. he goes and barbosa goes you best be believing in ghost stories. You're in one. And then he yeah. breaks off the rum and starts drinking it. You see it just go through his skeleton body. Oh. Yeah, it's so cheeky, but like it works. Uh, yeah. like, it's like like that line in particular, like that's the type of line that's like, I would look at it and be like, oh yeah, look, they're winking at the camera as they say it. But mm. then like they cap it off with that. Oh, we're gonna, you see him do the drink bit. And it's like, it like really, really sells it. And um, the, perfect follow-up to that when she like runs back in he slams the door and just like ha 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 like over the top laughter every all the parallel laughing he's like what are you looking at back to work and just like the perfect like he's still this horrible captain well i think they're just really memorable characters and like that's Mm -hmm. 
even across the board, like, because I, I realize everybody, like I said earlier, everybody looks at the three, right? They look at Will, mm -hmm. they look at uh, Jack, they look at um, Elizabeth Swan, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like, it, like, it's even the other characters beyond that. This could be easily be generic pirate number three, but then you have Barbosa mm -hmm. and another character that I've always really liked. And for some reason, and once again, not really mentioned a lot is I've always liked Mr. Gibbs. And I never understood, like, why I have a fascination with Mr. Gibbs. Mm -hmm. But I've always looked at him, like, throughout all of his all the movies. He's always with Jack, no matter how terrible it is. Yeah, It's, like, one of those things that Jack will always look to Mr. Gibbs and be like, we doing this? And there was, like, yeah. we doing this. He's um, always especially when you get to the, the, the other movies. Like, he just always comes back and, like, well, Jack's doing it again. So we yeah. got it. We have to do it. Like... <laughs> um, if Jack is like the crazy uncle who shows up drunk and high to all the parties, Mr. Gibbs is the grandfather who's enabling him. <laughs> I've always thought of Mr. Gibbs as like Jack. Jack is like, if Jack is Han Solo, Mr. Gibbs is his Chewbacca, right? I've always, <laughs> he kind of is though. Like they're yeah. always, like I wouldn't even say that Jack and Will are that good of friends, but like I would mm -hmm. argue that Mr. Gibbs is a better partner for Jack than Will ever is. Yeah, and, and he's real. His parts expanded upon, like I would say, much more in two and three, and like it's kind of fun to see that like he started in the Royal Navy. He started with Norrington and all that at the beginning of the movie, which also Norrington is a creep, just like <laughs> absolutely like throughout all of the movies. Every time they show him, and every time he comes back, like he's always such a creep. And I, especially in the first one, I always questioned is like. Was this ever gonna get her to like you? Yeah, <laughs> like, like you see him already maybe like 25, 26 at the start of the movie when Elizabeth is like eight and she says 10 years ago. So she's 18 and he's like 34, 35 yeah. and is like, you become a beautiful woman, Elizabeth. And I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah. Ooh, it was a different time, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it comes off really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is more like it, it sets you off like right away that you you don't like him because and because like other than that, there's nothing that he does that would inherently make him a bad person. Like he follows the law. He's clearly getting promoted for a reason. I also looked into like what rank is Commodore in the British Navy. That is like next to running the navy that's like a like a three-star general oh wow so he would be like in charge of like the whole caribbean if like that's what his rank would have been um and so for him to go from that to how we see him in the next movie which we won't talk about yet no spoilers um like his fall from grace is Pretty gorgeous like it's it's huge it's like yeah. He's still um, always a creep, no matter what. It's still a creep. Still, <laughs> he's a creep. still a creep. Um but yeah, like other than that, he's a fine character. Like he would be your if this was any other pirate movie, like generic pirate movie, he would be like the guy telling the good guy what to do. But in here, he's creepy, just as creepy as Barbosa, but in a very different way. <laughs> yeah. But back to Mr. Gibbs for a second. Mm -hmm. I've written this down. Like, I love just how he's first introduced. He's a, a, he's a member of the British Royal Navy. And he's mm -hmm. kind of like our framing device for, like, he knows the lore. He, pirates mm -hmm. are this scary thing. And 
Mm. He's, he's so against it. And it's funny to see eight years later how he's completely just, he's, he's on the side of pirates. He is a pirate himself. I just mm. love that introduct that reintroduction to him is perfect. Him sleeping uh, sensibly drunk amongst the pigs. Like that's mm. just, that's perfect characterization. Like we know we, from that, we know everything we need to know about where he's at now in his life. Yeah, like, this movie does character introductions so well. Like, you have Jack coming in, you have, I guess to a degree, like, Will being washed up, this lone survivor of this wreck. Um, yeah, Elizabeth singing the only song that's also in the ride um, that Jack and her sing later. Um, you know, the yo-ho, yo-ho, Parasite for me, all that, like, that's great because it's almost like this the start of this movie is a lot creepier than i remember or a lot more ominous than i remember it being because like it's just foggy you have this young girl singing this you know creepy version of this joyful song in the ride anyway um but like that's a great introduction hearing about okay so here's a quick question for you guys because we know that jack used to be the captain of the black pearl he mentions it to the two soldiers, or the two uh, sailors, naval officers, who are guarding the, in, the interceptor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one guy, the fatter one, is like, um, you know, you, well, he is the fatter one, you know, the fat guy. Um, I know which one you're talking about. If we're talking Star Wars, our porkins, if you will. Um, so, <laughs> There's always one. <laughs> yeah. Or he's like, you know, uh, the ship whose captain was so evil, hell itself spat him back out is he referring to barbosa or jack when he says that because of jack oh, barbosa. but it's just it seems like there's been this mythos of the black pearl being built up that i wonder if like were the myths there before jack was marooned you know what i mean it would be more interesting if he was talking about himself yeah because like if i think that would be a really interesting play like if he was like ah uh. Yeah, because, like, are the myths about Jack or are they about Barbosa? Because from what I gathered, it seemed like Barbosa might have been the captain maybe for, like, six, seven years. Like, not that long in comparison. Yeah. Um, well, I think in that scene, he's just playing off of the, uh, the, the British Royal Navy's, like, fear and superstition around pirates. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. Because I was just like, is he referring to, like, is Jack so evil that he was spat out of hell? I'm like, huh. Um, but that scene, again, with these characters, because I think as you put it, Scott, like, this could have been the generic pirate, pirate A, Pirate B, Damsel in Distress, Evil Pirate, the Navy guy. Like, but all these characters are so big and larger than life, but they never come off even Jack in this movie never really comes off as over the top. He's more over the top as you go along, I think. Like his, yeah, like his character gets more and more wacky. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. in this movie, he never does anything that is out of character for the sake of being like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> well, in terms of his characterization, Kira Knightley's talked in great length about how impressed she was with Johnny Depp. Because mm-hmm. she said that on the page, the character was written kind of blandly, like not much of a description. 
So then Johnny Depp added all of those characteristics to him, like the way he walks and the way he talks and his movements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know he, I'm looking here at the trivia on IMDb and he improvised Jack's catchphrase of savvy. Mm -hmm. Like that was all improvised. Um, And like, I know he based his character characterization off of Keith Richards. Yeah, which who, who then comes in to play at, later on. He comes yeah. in to play Jack's father later yeah. in the movies. <laughs> which is pretty funny. What um, I, I, I would love to know why he chose him, of all people, to... He, like, he just looks at Keith Richards and like, pirate. That's, that's it pirate. right there. That's, well, he that's said it. he felt like pirates were the, 18, the rock stars of the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like people knew the myths of Blackbeard and, you know, Captain Morgan and, you know, other pirates who I cannot name right now. But, you know, like... You know all. You know the ones. <laughs> you know, Captain <laughs> Kidd with two Ds. <laughs> Look it up. Um, but, yeah, like, all of that, um, it's just, yeah, these characters are great. And they're both grounded in and out of reality. It's this weird line that it dances that's so well done. I've always really liked the relationship between Will and Elizabeth. I don't think we talked about mm-hmm. that at all, but I've always found found them to be interesting. And I've like it's one of those like, yeah, I've always, of course you've always want them to be together. Um, but I've mm-hmm. all I also like that they give her, her a lot to do. Because, like, in these stereotypical action pirate movies, like, you're right, it could have been just the girl, damsel in distress, but I've always felt like they have enough for her to do, and they have her in action scenes, and she's so cool in the action scenes. Um, and so that's, like, every, every time we get into the story with Will, I'm always like, I want you to be with her. She's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, is. Yeah. yeah. She comes up with a lot of the plans. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's always good, like, good to see, like, a, a compelling, like, love story, too. So I'm, like, glad that it's just not kind of shoehorned in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, like, it, yeah. And I love how Jack was kind of playing, like, almost, like, matchmaker at times. Or, like, trying to give Will, like, dating advice throughout the film. We're like they're fighting in the blacksmith shop and he's like, you know, I make these swords. I practice for three hours a day with them. He's like, you gotta find yourself a girl, mate. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's, it all goes like, and I think we like, we've cemented that like, it all goes back to like how good each of their characters are. And I think that's what sells this. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like going beyond just like the characters and you, cause you bring up the scene with the, where they're fighting in the, in the, the blacksmith shop. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think these movies are what are I've always found really interesting is that they one the fight scenes look great I think they're the best like really really good sword fighting scenes but mm-hmm. when you for I don't know if you ever noticed this but the clanging of the swords mm-hmm. and like the movements of the swords like go hand in hand with the music yeah to the point where it's almost like synced it's like it's it's core it's it's almost like it's a dance almost it's just, like it's choreographed. Mm-hmm. Um, like I noticed, like other movies have done that too. Like if you've seen Baby Driver, Baby Driver does a lot of that, where the action scenes are like choreographed to the music. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's, which then goes into my next point of like, my, literally probably my favorite thing about this movie is the is the music. I think the music is like it's, in my opinion, the strongest thing. I think it's so good, it's so recognizable, so fun, and it just matches everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and I, I, I think it needs it needs to be commended on just even just that. If you want to say anything, like how good the score is, how good it, it it's. I think it's my it's my favorite thing about the movie for sure. The music is incredible. I remember when I was in band in middle school. This was the Pirates of the Caribbean theme was one of the ones that we would play. And I remember everyone would get so pumped and it was just incredible hearing it live and, and feeling the progression. I was so bad. That I could not play it for crap. And I would just, I would hum the theme. And I remember one time our band instructor, as she's going and conducting, she goes, stop humming. I'm like, holy crap, how can I hear that? <laughs> like, what I thought I was playing? doing a good job blending in, pretending to play my clarinet, looking like I'm blowing into it, but really I'm just humming along. Oh, you were a pretender. There was always, like, there's always, oh. like, one or two that don't really play. They just kind of sit and, like, act like they're playing. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, oh, it was not for me. I did not uh, have that skill. Yeah, I, uh, actually, I, could you not? I have two clarinets in my room right now. <laughs> do you play clarinet? I do. Yeah, I did. I did. Is that what you played when you were in, when you were in in band? Like, or is that yeah. just like an add-on? It was when I was in band. Okay. See, I played trumpet. So I I was always, I, I for some reason I always thought you were in brass. No, no, I was in clarinet and marching band too. Concert and marching band. So, yup. Clarinet and marching band is not good though. It's so quiet. No, yeah, like I was just about to say, like when I was in band in college, like the clarinets, like nobody could hear them to the oh, point no. that they, anytime we, if we traveled for uh, performances, they didn't, they didn't even come because you couldn't hear it, and we were only allotted so many students to go, yeah. and they would all get pissed off because none of them could ever go on trips and things. Yup. Yeah. It was. It was bad. Um, anyway, back to pirates. Um, yeah, now, we're was... here to talk about high school band. That's what this whole <laughs> podcast is about. That's it. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Band Rand. We're gonna talk about band. dumb stuff in band. I could go on. First for off, hours. people who hum when they play their clarinet. <laughs> oh, um, but no, yeah, I remember playing this in in middle school, junior high as well, and being like, oh, I feel so cool right now. I feel so cool. I love this music. I mean, I think out of recent movies, though, I think it might be like the most recognizable score. Like, you know, you know, the classic scores like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and things like that. But I think for movies of our generation, right, I can't I have a hard time picking another movie where the music is so recognizable and be like, oh, that's that's uh, that's this. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, that's why I think that like it's consistently come back to this just for music alone. I think it is, and I I think, and we're going to talk about this, and we talk about the second movie next week. But like the second and third movies, like the themes for like Davy Jones and the themes for the Kraken, like all of those are also iconic. And I actually I listened to um, the soundtrack for the first one and second one recently, and like Hans Zimmer who did this, he did this. Uh, soundtrack. He also did Interstellar, a lot of other Christopher Nolan movies. He was the guy who did the for Inception. Um, but like, in if you listen to the, do yourself a favor after we're done recording, listen to the Kraken soundtrack on the uh, the second movie's um, score. He throws in like electric guitar 
and like electric bass, but it's so well mixed with the action, like you were saying, Scott, mm-hmm. that unless you're listening for it, you're gonna just just completely miss it. But like, there's modern instruments in there. Some of these action scenes, like guitar, electric guitar, like electric organ, and it's just the music is so good in this. It movie. just fits. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, once again, like maybe like on paper, just like the movie itself. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. you're gonna use electric guitar in this. Like, it shouldn't work, but it does. Everything, everything works with it. And beyond that, like, Star Wars has like it's. I would say there's like four big ones. You got the main theme, the Imperial March, the Force theme, and like maybe Yoda's theme. Like, uh, I don't know, Duel of Fates, man. <laughs> Duel of Fates. Oh, that's true. Duel of Fates. I mean, like fates. the original trilogy. Like people think, like, oh, that you know, that's the music. But this one, you have like. Kind of the grand, you know, da 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 da, which you also have like the small, playful, like yeah. There's like a Jack has his own theme, and it's always and it's separate from like the main score. And I always thought that was like his theme was very fitting because it sounds very lazy, but 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 not lazy enough that it doesn't have direction. It's like the kind of yeah and so it, it fits it, uh, that's why I, like, I wanted to bring it up i kept thinking mm-hmm. i was like man like the score is what i always remember from it um, yeah and it's oh uh, yeah it's just so just so good it's such, this is such a fun movie it is. and watching I, it last night i was like this might be like the perfect summer action movie for ooh, me at least throwing throw the claim yeah, like it's because a lot of summer movies, you know, it's there's action, there's adventure, there's it's this movie is both wholly original and completely trope filled. Like <laughs> it's it's both original and both copying everything that's ever come before it at the same time. It's both fresh and unfresh at the same time. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like peeling back a banana that's completely ripe. And nothing that, and like completely green. It's like, it's a paradox of a film <laughs> that shouldn't work. Again, based Pir- on a ride. Pirates shouldn't work, but does. <laughs> Literally. And it just, it has that perfect blend of you have the romance with Will and Elizabeth, you have the kind of, you know, horror elements with the skeleton crew. And like, I rewatched this movie last night um, leading up to this podcast, and my mom was like, Ooh, that's kind of creepy. And it was when they were walking under the ship, it's underwater. A, it's an awesome shot. It's such a, there's so many, and we talked about this, Anthony and I, we talked about this on the podcast before, but like, for me, the measure of good, like, cinematography and like, good imagery is like, if you can pause the film, print that out and put it on a wall as art, it's, it's got like, it's, it's an excellent, well-shot film. And like Jack on the ship, and in the very first shot we see of him standing on like the sail, the pirates under the ship, um, you know the even the aerial shots of like Norrington getting his his promotion, um, and that reminds me, um, the ending of this film is so perfect that I'm almost like, did we need the sequels? I mean, I enjoyed the sequels. But, like, I think it was great. I don't know if you all, I'm sure knowing you two, you probably caught up on this as well. Um, but at the very end, when it's Jack's execution, like, all of the big 
quote learning moments or big elements from the whole movie come together in one and it works like we have elizabeth fainting and she learned you know that fainting will get people fall off the top of it like to this thing, this whole thing her falling, like... yeah so like she faints um will finally gets the courage to tell her i love you to distract norrington from the fact that he's about to go save jack and like it's just it everything that like the characters have learned comes together in this perfect escape. And even the governor of Port Royal is like, you know, maybe when it comes to piracy, piracy is the best answer. <laughs> and just like, it's so cheeky. It's so, it's so it's, like, like cliched, but it's so good. Oh yeah. I, know I think I've it's been a rare time where I, when we talk about movies, with, when I talk about movies with the two of you, um, either myself or one of you always have a hot take, but it seems like we all like this one. Yeah. Um, like, th- there's nothing about this movie, like it's paced well. There's never a moment where you're like, all right, come on. It's not it's nearly really- as long as its sequels. <laughs> that's for, that's for sure. It's like, pretty time- long though. Isn't it over two hours? It's two hours and 24 minutes. Now that includes the, like the credits. So let me say it's two hours and like 18 minutes. Yeah. But like come the end of the movie, it's kind of this, I always like to think of whenever I get to the end of a movie of like, where did we start? Like, how did this movie begin? And it's like, this movie started in the fog with this girl singing this creepy song. And we end with our hero, Jack, hand on the wheel, compass in hand, you know, bring me that horizon. And it's, it's just like, we've come, we almost like demystified, no pun intended, like pirates. Like pirates are these like adventurous, just fun. I mean, pirates in real life were horrible. Um, and like very <laughs> not <different>. fun. <laughs> not fun. Um, although I know some weird facts about pirates, which I might talk about later, but um, like they were very into democracy, but we'll get there later. But like, um, yeah, like, I feel, you feel satisfied at the end of this movie. You're not like, there's like a wand to be like, oh, I can't wait to see what they do next. But it's not in a way like how Pirates 2 ends with a very clear like, there's going to be a sequel. You know, wink, wink. <laughs> it's not like any of the Marvel movies where the after credits scene is like leading into the next one and the next one and the next one. You don't have to feel invested. It's like you're, you can go in and out. Mm-hmm. Which tends to be a problem with a lot of blockbuster movies now. Um, yeah, I think. And so this one, you genuinely care about these characters. They're genuinely good people. They're fun. I wasn't they're good people, but they're genuinely well-written characters. And there's not a lot of like, you know, over overused situations. Um, and it's corny enough that it's it's still familiar while still being, again, that's what I'm talking about earlier, like it's familiar, but still wholly original. So is this, would would you say that this is your favorite, like live action Disney movie then? Oh. There's a lot, a lot, that they're, suddenly they make more of them now. Would you say this is your favorite? <sighs> Anthony, what do you think? I don't know. I- I don't know all of Disney's live action movies. You know what? I don't have Hot more. take, and maybe just because I'm so sentimental about it, but I, I still love 
the Tron movies. And, and as much as I like this, I still love Tron and I'll always love Tron. And I'll have it. So it's hard for me to say that I love a, a live action Disney movie more than that. But I'm just like me being super sentimental about a movie. Yeah. I'm looking at a list of all the live action Disney movies. And it's tough to say because we saw the Aladdin remake last summer and I thought that was pretty good. I don't know that I'd put it on. I would never put that on the level of this though. No, it was, it was fine. It was fine. fine. Like I think, well, that's the thing. Their recent live action ones aren't original like this. Um, Yeah. I, I have yet besides, besides for jungle book, I have yet to walk out of a live action Disney movie and be like, wow, I loved this. Jungle Book was the only one that I loved. Mm. Um, every other one, I think I come out and it's like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. If I didn't see it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah. You don't have to see it. Uh, right. I Looking at the list here, like Disney's done pirate stuff before. They did the live action Treasure Island film oh, yeah. based, based off the Robert Louis Stevenson book. So like, they also did Treasure Planet. <laughs> Which was a much better version of the same story. <laughs> I, I will fight for Treasure Planet to the day I die. I just, <laughs> I just love it. There's a great Goo Goo Dolls song in there. I'm still... It is. It's so good. It has oh, a good soundtrack. So good. Oh. D- Disney's on top of their Pirates game. We know that. Yeah. I mean, Peter Pan, the main villain, is a pirate. A which pirate. also, they didn't write Peter Pan, though. That was a separate that was thing. A book, in the- that was a book as well. Yeah. James and the Giant Peach also had pirates in it. Remember James and the Giant Peach? Uh, to this day, I still think that one's too weird. I I, I just can't get into it. I, mean, I remember it was on the commercial, or it was like a, one of the trailers for Toy Story. Like, there's mm. so many Disney... I was only really... I was pretty singular-minded. I was just so into Toy Story. And mm-hmm. there would be like... It was Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves was also in there. I remember yep. always seeing the trailers and just having no interest whatsoever. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because I just, I just watched Honey I Shrunk the Kids. I like rewatched it maybe about a month ago. Well, Honey yeah. the Shrunk, Honey I Shrunk the Kids is great. Honey I Shrunk Ourselves. Eh. I also just want to point out that those movies are like deceptively gross. <laughs> Like yes. every one of those movies is like I remember looking back and like rewatching it, I was like, this movie is disgusting. <laughs> the, yeah, it's not it's like rewatch it with that in mind, like it's kind of gross. It's a very gross and then there was a third one. Honey called... Rip the Baby. Yeah. Honey Rip the Baby. <laughs> or is that the second one? I don't know. I can't remember which one's which. Yeah, that was the second one. Yeah, because it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Honey, I Blew with the Baby, and then Honey, I Shrunk Ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> they they got progressively worse. The first one was okay. Um, it was a fun concept, but like... Um, so looking at all this, I think that this is the best live-action Disney movie. And I would also go so far as to say this is the best original Disney action movie. Okay. I was just like, kind of, I'm just always uh, kind of curious. Yeah. That's all. I, yeah, because again, similar to what I said about Star Wars, like this movie can stand on its own legs. It doesn't need two and three to support it. You get, you know, you get Jack Sparrow, you get Barbosa, you get Will and Elizabeth and Norrington, and honestly, the governor. I I like him. He's a fun character. <laughs> I really like the governor. 
That's such an Adam character. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I hate that he's so condescending, though, about Will and his profession. Yeah, and just Will never gets any credit for the sword. You know, tell your master, I, I said, you know, good job. He's like, no, okay, well. And then, you know, the blacksmith knocks out Jack, you know, excellent job, Mr. Brown. And that guy's voice, Will's boss's voice, is so gross sounding. <laughs> it's doing my civic duty, sir. It's like, ugh. <laughs> but is it as gross as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? <laughs> True. True. Um, and, and if you say it's not, it's actually in the third one. I want you to go back, watch the scene where they fall into the chip dip, and tell, yes. me, and tell me it's not disgusting. Yes, oh, that's the scene I, I remember from the trailer. It's I so gross. remember that. And isn't the daughter about to eat them? Like she's, she's about to eat them in the chip dip. How does she not notice them? Like, I know they're small, but... Also, like, whenever characters... Quick aside about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, that whole franchise. We should do a whole episode about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. We, like, <laughs> whenever things get shrunk in things, like, typically it's like, oh, it's like they have, like, a mouse or whatever. But here it's like, they're smaller than ants. They're, like, microscopic. It's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. that small. In the yeah. first one, yeah, they, they ride. They ride an- the ant. <laughs> Oh, yeah. okay. That makes more sense. Because well, I thought they were like, like the even, size of ants. The, the weirder thing is that they ride the ant, and the ant gets into a fight with a scorpion. And I'm sitting there I was like, what suburb are they living in where there's scorpions in their backyard? I mean, I, I don't know about California. I mean, it's California, maybe. But, like, yeah. And also, a scorpion would win. Like, it did win. Oh, it does? Oh, I, I forgot. I yeah. thought. And, and I was like, that's part- right. I do love this movie. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> no, it does win. In the saddest moment in cinema history, Auntie dies at the hands of a scorpion. They all crowd around it and then hug the ant as it dies. <laughs> it's so Disney, sad. Disney needs to stick to the animation other than oh, Pirates oh, is fine. And just like, <laughs> Like, they redid Alice in Wonderland, which was a little weird. Um, weirder than the original animated movie, which is already strange. Oh, already really weird. Like, Maleficent was... Honestly, I hate that movie. It's dumb. It was it's not fine. necessary. It it's changes fine. too much. Cinderella was meh. Um, Aladdin was decent. It's okay. Lion, I have yet to see that movie, and I have no desire whatsoever to see li- the live-action Lion King. Oh, it's not even totally live action. It's animated. Right. I say live action, but like the National Geographic version of Lion King. <laughs> it's it's very okay. Yeah. Like I don't just, know. Yeah. I don't know. But but no, I think this is the best one. And this one... You're telling me you don't like John Carter? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Mm. Go watch the steaming pile that was John Carter, everybody. <laughs> Yikes. It's not. Yeah. Um, no, I I think that this is... A, I mean, now that Disney owns Marvel and Star Wars, or Lucasfilm... I'm not counting those. I'm not counting those. Like, this is the closest I would say they ever got to an IP at the same level as those two. I agree with that. At least Star Wars. Marvel has its own, like, it's comics and TV shows and other 
stuff beyond, but like in terms of just movie to movie, Pirates of the Caribbean is, I think I've heard this comparison before, like it's our generation's Star Wars. Like, oh, did you see Pirates of the Caribbean? I remember Pirates of the Caribbean. I wouldn't call it that. I wouldn't say. I still, I still think that Star Wars can still be considered our generation Star Wars. I know, that's just a buzzy thing. Like, remember after The Dark Knight came out, every franchise was like, we're, we're doing this, but it's Dark Knight style, like more grounded, inspired by yeah. that. Like, X-Men First Class was described as that. Like, it's all the heroes, but they're dark. Well, I would argue that something like like you say that but i would also argue things something like jason bourne it seemed like after jason bourne there was a slew of movies that's like oh we're gonna do this but it's like jason like james bond but it's also like jason bourne in a way um i bet i think that was another was one it jason like, bourne and like there was a point in time where <laughs> one of the characters would get the focus on the camera and be like oh my oh god, my god it's, it's jason <laughs> bourne Jeez, in every movie he turns to the camera Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> um, but oh, this isn't about Jason God, Bourne. It's we're talking about Jack Sparrow. <laughs> so, we're getting off topic. Also, it come, I think, the, and we won't talk about four and five because they go way off the rails. Um, I'll fight for four. I like four. It's okay. I uh, like four. Like, those movies are very strange. And I did a whole Twitter rant a while ago about why the fourth movie makes no sense if it's set in our universe. Um, Cause the timeline of things make no sense, but whatever. Um, now, after, after three, I think you kind of throw logic out the window. <laughs> it's just clearly, like, oh. clearly like, I think what's unfortunate and there's not really another character I can think of that, has had this happen to them, but like more and more as the movies go on, like Jack gets weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. And even the movies get weirder and weirder to the point where in the fifth movie, the openings, and we mentioned this before we started recording, the movie starts with them <laughs> stealing a building with horses. You can't do that. Never. That's not real. Never. And it's so over the top. And it's just unfortunate that this first film, which is so, again, perfectly encapsulated, just mm, solid, um, that the character kind of like, it's almost the downfall of the writers of like, let's make him, everyone knows Jack Sparrow as the weird pirate. Let's make him weirder. And I would weirder. argue, I would argue, and I know I'm the only one who thinks this, but I would argue that Thor, Thor does that. And that's Thor's role now, is that he's the weird one. Um, and I hate it. Comic relief, yeah. That's and fair. I hate it. And I've told Anthony knows this. He's tried to convince me that Thor Ragnarok is a good movie. And I hate it so much. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree, though. I agree. Yeah. And so it's, it's just unfortunate that that ultimately happens to this franchise but we won't get to there we won't talk about the dark times that's to be continued yeah because i'm i'm pumped for the second one there's so much i love about it like just davy jones just i mm -hmm. oh, love that whole look and like the the look of the characters the look of the flying dutchman um the shot of him playing the organ we'll get there we'll get there in the next episode Every, um, so hang on to 
to your seat. <laughs> hang on to your seats, everyone. Hang on to your hats. Uh, and, and find no, never mind. I was going to make something quippy about a monkey, but and I can't. Oh, that's that's one thing we should talk about. I was thinking about this while I was watching the movie. The monkey's dressed in pirate clothes. Yes. So someone took the time to make <laughs> custom pirate clothes for the monkey. Which, like, from a movie standpoint, is like, okay, well, the costume designer does that. But in world, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Who are the pirates? The pirates have the time to be like, you know what? We're doing this. That it's monkey like, needs to be clothed. And, and, ju- need- and justify it, being like, ah, isn't he all cute now? <laughs> other, other monkeys need to know that this one is a pirate. <laughs> Or like, who was the pirate who was like, "Er, that monkey be indecent." Is there a bunch of other monkeys wearing non-pirate clothes? <laughs> Just wearing suits and ties. Just wearing like, like, like the, the, like the, like you were saying the the dad or Elizabeth's dad has like he's like the 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 governor or whatever what whatever yeah. status he was. Is there monkeys dressed like him? Just <laughs> the like, governor monkey. Yeah. Everyone gets a mini version of themselves as a monkey in this universe. This is this is the questions that are never answered that I need to know. Also, like, I like that the monkey is also cursed, that the monkey also took some gold, and that, like, it doesn't matter what you are, if you take gold from the chest, you will be cursed. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice touch. Yeah, it's good. Um, well, that's... I think we've said all we can about this movie. Um, so you can look at this review, much like uh, the parts of the Caribbean films, as a singular review. And you can look at it and you don't have to listen to anything else. And this is a perfect review about Pirates of the Caribbean. But we're going to keep going. We're going to do two and three following uh, the next two Mondays. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, so next week we'll be covering Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. So we will see you all then. This has been another episode of Double O. Wait, hold on. I'm wrapping up. We didn't even rate the movie. What am I doing? Whoa, whoa. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Out of 10 pieces of cursed Aztec gold, what would you give Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl? I'd give it a, I don't know if I'd give it a 10 because I think that's perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'd, I'd definitely give it like an eight and a half or a nine. Okay. That being said, I would give the scene where they the scene where they shrink and fall into the chip <laughs> dip and honey, I shrunk the kids is a 10. <laughs> Just saying. No, but I, I think I'd give the movie about an eight and a half or a nine. Okay, gotcha. Anthony? Ooh, I'm floating right around there too. I would do eight Good. and a half. Eight and a half? Gotcha. Um, I am going to go for a solid nine on this movie. I think that this is similar to the way Mad Max Fury Road, in my opinion, is like a, the, the perfect encapsulation of an action movie. This is like the perfect like, adventure movie concentrate. Like this is everything you need for a solid adventure film. And it's, it's just well-written, well-executed. And again, it got Johnny Depp an Oscar nomination for Best Actor. So, like, did he win it? He did not. <laughs> he was nominated. If he won it. This is an Oscar-nominated film. In fact, I want to see if it won anything um, before we wrap up here. Um, Usually, yeah. movies like this don't win things like that. <laughs> typically, neither do things like Lord of the Rings. So, 
through. Um, list of accolades received by the Pirates of the Caribbean film series. It's a whole article on just the awards of the series on uh, Wikipedia. Um, let's see. Oscars, Oscars, Oscars. I want to know if four and five won anything. Uh, no. <laughs> um, well, at the Teen Choice Awards, uh, this movie won uh, Choice Movie Chemistry between Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley. It won that. Finally, the voice of the people. <laughs> it won the best fight action sequence. It won best movie liar, a category at the Teen Choice Awards. Uh, <laughs> it also won the best movie lip lock with Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley. Um, let's see. At the MTV Movie Awards, Best Male Performance was won by Johnny Depp. Um, the People's Choice Awards. People's Choice Awards, the most democratic awards. Uh, it won Best Picture with the People's oh. Choice Awards. Um, it won for the uh, BAFTA, which is the British Association of Film and Television Arts. Uh, it won Best Makeup and Hair. Um, at the Broadcast Film Critics Association Awards, it won the Best Family Film. It's a family film. It's for the kids. Scary Skeletons. Bring your kiddos. Bring, bring but, it, kiddos. but it was still, but it was still questioned by moms everywhere everywhere moms were like i don't know moms were like i don't i don't know yeah um i guess oh the american the not the ascpa the as ascap the american society of composers authors and publishers uh it's all about movie music uh it won uh best film there and at the Academy Awards, it didn't win anything, but it was nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role, Best Makeup, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Visual Effects. Ooh. So nominated for five Oscars. So this is an Oscar-nominated film. Um, oh, I won't give you a spoiler, but things get better when we get to the second movie at the Academy Awards. Ooh. Um, Can't wait. <laughs> And they get worse after the third one. <laughs> As to be imagined. And the fourth one has like no awards listed and five isn't even mentioned in this article. <laughs> I'll fight for four, man. I'll stick to my guns. Uh, oh, well. well, this has been another episode of Double A Cinema Cast. Uh, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Noise. <laughs>